It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. Welcome to the Know It All Podcast. We got a great show today. We got the review of the movie Soul with our movie critic, Rita Cinema. But first, our man, Achilles Rain, in to discuss some NBA, eight things of the week. Let's start it out. Are you ready to get into some NBA action, Achilles? Oh, yeah, buddy. Let's do this. All right. So my eight things for the week, we're going to start out at number eight, and uh, it took Two weeks, but uh, Kyrie Irving is already causing problems. He decided he did not want to play yesterday. I guess he sent a text to his teammates, which I guess is cool. But uh, anyway, Nets go on and win. They continue their pretty solid play. Uh, now 2-0 and without uh, Kevin Durant and 1-0 uh, and without uh, Kyrie Irving. Um, but this act is uh, getting a little old. I hate to be that person, but... Uh, this dude, if he doesn't want to play basketball, don't play basketball. No one cares. Um, yeah, I know that we touched on the subject a little bit, uh, you know, back when he had that whole, I'm not talking to the media anymore. Please respect my decision, uh, you know, kind of letter that he uh, let out to the media. Uh, he didn't want to talk to him, but he gave them a letter letting him know that he wasn't going to talk to him anymore. Uh, but this has kind of been an ongoing thing with Kyrie. You know, we've, we've seen it, you know, basically since his uh, – entry into the NBA that he's always got something going on. Um, it's getting a little, a little much for me. Uh, I'm starting to get to that point where I'm, I'm done listening to you. Um, I'm done hearing about you. You know, at first it was like, okay, I don't, I don't have to hear from you. I just want to watch you play. And now it's getting to a point where, you know what, I kind of don't want to deal with you at all anymore. Uh, I know that that whole situation that happened with him not playing the game against the, um, because the 76ers apparently they said it was for personal reasons now when uh they asked coach nash about it um uh, he was unaware what those personal issues were uh, and apparently he wasn't even aware that he wasn't going to play until 30 minutes prior to tip off so i i don't know what to make of this whole situation i think it's uh it's getting a little out of hand yeah uh my problem was it isn't even that he doesn't want to play. It's that he just leaves his teammates out there. You know, Karis Levert is the one answering questions, and he's got to make up the, oh, yeah, we support him. He sent us a text, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's our guy. It's whatever, whatever. But uh, 
this is the stuff that just gets tiresome. It's like, yeah, you are our guy and you're a great player, but we're left holding the bag here, answering all these questions about you. And it doesn't lead to us wanting to play with you. And uh, really, uh, right now, Karis Levert is carrying them. So, uh, you know, bye. I just, it's at a point where I'm like, why do you want to deal with this mess? Now, I know maybe it has something with, you know, Kevin will then complain, but uh, Kevin's on a long-term deal now. So, you know, it's whatever. I just, I don't know. I can't handle this kind of nonsense now from him. It's something new every couple of weeks. And I think I, I don't remember if I told you or Fish or something, the second Durant, you know, got that seven game uh, isolation thing and missed four games. I was like, well, Kyrie's going to find a way so he doesn't have to play because if Kevin doesn't have to play, that means me, I don't have to play. Yeah. You know, my biggest thing with him is the fact that he wants the respect of a leader. Yeah. But he doesn't act like a leader. You know, he knows that his team's already heard, you know, they have the issue with Durant where he can't play because of, uh, you know, the contact tracing. Uh, they have Tyler Johnson out on quarantine. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie with his uh, uh, his ACL surgery. Uh, then they have uh, Clayton with the right knee. Uh, Perry, you know, they've got a bunch of players that just can't contribute right now. And as a leader, you have to step up and not put it on another guy's shoulders. You know, Levert, like you said, he was he exploded. He had a really good game, you know, which um, was great for him because it puts him in the limelight a little bit. But he's not making Kyrie type money. You know, not yet, at least not yet. Exactly. But if this continues, they might just, you know, swap him out and, and just pay the guy. But what I'm trying to say is you want to act like an alpha, you know, or at least a beta act like one, you know, yeah, in I, that's every a great game. Point. I just, I just don't like, I feel like it's disrespectful to your team as much as they have to come up with those, uh, you know, uh, typical answers that we get from players about supporting your teammates and things like that there has to be some sort of disgruntledness in the, in that locker room uh, just from his attitude and his actions. Well, this is what happened in Boston too. You know, uh, they defended him, they defended him. And then it, you know, it just keeps snowballing and snowballing. And then it gets to the point like that Celtic season two years ago where everybody's just tired of it. And it's like, dude, if you don't want to be here, then don't be here. This isn't, you know, like mandatory. It's, you know, don't show up if you don't want to be here, but don't pretend to be, you know, some superstar and franchise carrier and leader of, you know, a ball club. If you aren't willing to uh, handle the responsibility that it would be of this, you know, it, it's just, it's annoying. And uh, really this Brooklyn Nets team uh, has played some pretty solid basketball. They had a little stretch in there where they didn't play all that great, but uh you know, uh, the last two games, they've been really good. Good wins over Utah and Philly. So, uh, I mean, they're contenders right now in the East, especially with the way uh, a handful of uh, these Eastern teams have gotten out of the block. Uh, we'll get to a couple of those uh, in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so far this month, uh, you know, they've, they're they two and two. Uh, probably not great, but if you stop and think, had – they had their entire roster healthy and good to go. They'd probably be four and zero so far this month. But you know, kudos to the rest of that Nets uh, team and staff for stepping up. Uh, but seriously, this is just getting old. It feels like um, like dealing with a little child. You know, where if if so and so gets this toy, I want this toy as well. Um, if so and so isn't going to school, then I don't want to go to school either. And it's it's just getting old. Yeah, definitely. All right, so 
I think we've touched on enough of the Nets. Hopefully, uh, uh, this will be the last time we have to speak of Kyrie Irving uh, so far on the year. But uh, I feel like it probably won't be. But I would like to hope so because uh, it's possibly my least favorite topic to talk about. I like talking about basketball and how teams are playing and uh, not what a douchebag someone is being in the locker room. But uh, anyway, we'll move on to some actual basketball, the New York Knicks. I think they might be good. Are they good? I don't know, but I've watched them play, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks. Uh, Julius Randle is all of a sudden turned into possibly the second best power forward in the league. Um, you know, Alfred Payton is uh, running a team. Uh, RJ Barrett uh, occasionally makes three-point shots and is looking pretty good. Uh, Mitchell Robertson's man in that middle. I... I can't give enough credit. I didn't think the Tom Thibodeau hire was a great hire. I thought he was a little too old school, but it seems like it's uh, just what this uh, Knicks team need. And I, I don't want to, you know, go overboard this early in the season, but uh, they look like a workhorse team who can uh, grind you away. And in the East, if you're a workhorse team who will work for wins, uh, you put yourself in position to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. I know that it's early on in the season, so it's hard to really, you know, come out and say that these guys are going to be contenders or anything. But, you know, they currently sit at five and three. And I think that a lot of the uh, their current play, you have to give some of the credit to Thibodeau. He's, I know that you probably weren't a huge fan of him being hired there, but certain coaches fit and certain teams buy into their coaches system and, and, and what they're the philosophy they're trying to implement. And I think that's kind of what we've got going on here. Uh, players are buying in and it's helping out the team in general. Uh, Julius Randle uh, has been playing really well as of late. Um, I know a lot of people are considering him uh, a potential all-star if he can continue this type of pace. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's been doing pretty good uh, playing two-way action also, which is not something we're seeing from him. Uh, back when he was a Laker, I know that you have moments where he show sparks on the offensive side and do no defense, and then vice versa. He would show some sparks on the defensive side and not much offensively. But, you know, right now uh, he's averaging 23 points per game, 12 boards, and almost seven and a half assists per game. So uh, he's playing lights out right now, and if this continues, uh, his team's only going to continue to improve their record also. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you make of this Randall uh, jump? I mean, uh, I think when he came out in the draft uh, a handful of years ago, uh, when the Lakers drafted him, I really liked uh, that draft pick. I liked Julius Randall in college. I, I thought he was, I don't know if I thought he was this type of guy, you know, 25, you know, 12 and seven, but I, I thought he could sort of be a Swiss army knife, uh, do everything, you know, Anthony Mason type, but a little bit more explosive, a little bit better score. And, uh, you know, it, it got off to a bad start in the Lakers where he broke his leg that rookie year. And uh, then, you know, those Lakers teams when he was on it were just, uh, well, I don't even know, uh, I don't know what to call those teams. Uh, a mess would probably be the best version. And then, you know, he sort of, he went to a couple stops, um, probably got a reputation as a bit of a ball hog and uh uh, a me type of guy, but uh, when he was at Kentucky, he was never really a me type of guy. And it just seems like he's been unlocked. Uh, he's still not uh, the most efficient uh, player scoring wise, but uh, it's really coming around his playmaking and uh, you know, his rebounding and he's even trying to play defense. I mean, I wouldn't call him a lockdown defender, but the effort is there. 
Yeah, he's definitely shown signs signs of being a, a decent two way player. I still think that his um, his his ability on the offensive side is always going to outweigh his ability on the defensive side of the ball. But you know, I think him just kind of not giving up and and continuing working on his game as well as you know improvements by other guys like uh, Mitchell Robinson and uh, even some contributions from some of the other guys like Alec Burks, Austin Rivers, uh, Noel. Uh, Noel. I think all that plays into it. You know, he's definitely the team leader right now when it comes to stats. Um, but I think it's a, it's like I said, it's everything falling into place. It's the coach, it's the players buying in, it's the role players, uh, you know, doing their part and contributing. Um, I think it's all playing into him having a good season. And I can't say that I didn't see this type of potential. Uh, I just didn't expect it after what we've seen over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about a little bit of a question here. Uh, Toppin has been hurt. He hasn't been playing. Uh, I assume he's going to come back in the next couple weeks. Uh, that's what I've heard. How do you fit him in here uh, with Randall uh, playing so well? It, it seems like it would be detrimental to sort of, you know, take a little bit of Randall's minutes. And then you got Mitchell and, uh, Robinson in there. I, I just, it's going to be a tough spot trying to fit him back in, especially with his liabilities on defense. How do you see that working out with the Knicks? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, being between a rock and a hard play between a sword and a hard place uh, because you're almost danged. If you do, you're danged. If you don't now basketball is one of those weird sports where, yeah, you can develop guys by having them watch a little bit and learn, but you need to get them out on the court. Uh, this is part of the developmental process, which is one of the reasons why, you know, they had the D league and all that other stuff, because you had to develop players by getting them on the court. I think At it's this, uh, doubly important for someone like Toppin, whose uh, game is, is based uh, a lot on athleticism, you know, years that, and you know, he spent three years in college. So he's a little older than some of those guys. So uh, years spent on the bench where his athleticism is sort of going to waste uh, and he's not developing sort of basketball skills. I don't know. It just seems weird, but uh, I was just curious how that you think they go about that. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's really confusing. I, I really don't know how you play this because Julius Randall, like you said, he's, he's coming into his own now as uh, you know, potential all-star player and cutting his minutes would only diminish his ability to continue to, to, to imp- not just improve, but to contribute. So I think it's really, it's a really touchy subject. It's really sensitive uh, how, how you deal with this, but you know, that's one of the reasons why you have a, a coach like you do with, uh, with Thibodeau is, is he knows how to deal with these type of situations. And I think he's going to do what's going to be best for the team as a whole. Now, whether that be to cut down on his minutes slightly and then, you know, uh, put Obi uh, in there. I, I don't, I don't know exactly how they're going to go about it, but I definitely think it's, it's going to be a, an issue that they're going to have to address uh, sooner rather than later. Last question on this. Do you think maybe you could play them together? You'd have to bench Mitchell Robinson, which uh, has really been the anchor of their defense. I don't know if you could pull that off. Would you play them together? I mean, I think you could probably pull that off in certain situations where where Robinson isn't on the court. But you still, like you said, he's been the anchor. Um, and he's also shown improvement, you know, so it'd be yeah, hard he's to not getting a foul every 15 seconds. Yeah. I mean, he still has to work on that cause he's still not where he should be, but he's a lot better. <laughs> so yeah. um, 
I think that it, it'll be also a little detrimental to his development to pull him. But if I had to pull anybody uh, to further develop, you know, Obi, I think that it would probably him uh, and then just play both of them, you know, a little smaller ball, but I, I think it could work. I think they can make it work. Um, if they can, this seems probably only going to be uh, even better. So uh, they might be the surprise team this season. Uh, I, obviously it's still early on, so I'm not ready to crown them yet, but you know, they, they look good so far. Yeah. Uh, do you think this can continue? And do you think they have a shot at making the playoffs here? I mean, if you ask me right now, I'm going to say no. Uh, it's still way too early on. And uh, I think the teams are still kind of getting into the flow of things. I know that, you know, we're pretty early on in the season, but, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we just ended the last season. So um, I don't think it can, can it continue. Yes, it can definitely continue because uh, the improvement is there. We, we, we can see it on film. Do I think it'll continue? Probably not. I think as teams get more acclimated and uh, to their systems and uh, kind of get more into the flow of the, of the season, I, I think they, they'll they probably start losing a few more games. But still, uh, you've got to applaud the improvement they've made. If the season were to end right now, I think they're in fifth place in the East right now. So they're in a lot better position than I thought they would be at this point in the season. So that's something to be said. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on from the surprising Knicks and uh, we'll go on the bad side of things. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves have uh, looked abysmal of late. That game yesterday uh, was just terrible. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is hurt and uh, they didn't even look all that good when he was there. I I'm just watching that game yesterday. I'm wondering if it's at a point right now where I say, I want Anthony Edwards and everyone else is uh, up for eBay sale right now and uh, see if I can get what I can get and, um, you know, try to rebuild this puppy. I, I think you could get a lot for uh, Anthony Towns. I, I don't know what the market would be for a D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I'm sure Beasley would be wanted on the market. Um, Culver looks like kind of a bust. He's just looked lost out there uh, in the game. Um, I'm sure a contender wouldn't mind having Rubio as a backup point guard. So, I mean, they have pieces that I think people would uh, go after, but uh, am I just overreacting here? Or as I think this situation I'm reading, it is just, it's a mess. See, I, I personally don't think you're overreacting and I go back to the draft. We, I think we both pretty much thought that they had a poor draft. Um, we thought well, they the could other have... thing I, I forgot to mention, um, they don't have their pick. Uh, the Warriors have their pick this year. That's, I think, more playing in my head of why you try to rebuild this thing because, I mean, you're going to suck. It's not going to get easier in the West, uh, and your pick's going to the Warriors. So I I don't know. Uh, I'll let you continue. I mean, all I'm saying is that I know that there were a few people out there who thought – that this team had a chance at being contenders. I personally didn't. And I think most of us did not. Um, although they start off the season two and oh, I think, uh, and then they've lost six in a row. Is that what their current losing streak is at? Yes. Yeah. I mean, even though I didn't think they would contend, I still think that this losing streak is somewhat surprising. Um, now, how much of it 
plays into the fact that uh, they haven't really had uh, a healthy towns. Uh, you look at their rotation you know, minutes and their top four guys are all guards. And it's kind of what we expected when we saw how the team was building up. Um, I think the guy in fifth place for minutes played is uh, their center, I believe, uh, Reed, who, I mean, he's he's doing okay, but, you know. No, he's, you can say it. He, he's an oaf who uh, <laughs> is not very good. He got tooled the other night. I watched the game uh, by uh, Jokic, but uh, – Nonetheless, uh, everybody gets tooled by Jokic, but uh, that's not a great comparison. But uh, they had to bring in Vanderbilt to guard him. And if you're bringing in Jared Vanderbilt because your quote-unquote starting center can't guard the other starting center, we have some problems here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think – see, the thing about this team is that they've shown signs. You know what I mean? They they haven't been good, but they've shown signs. Like I said, they started off 2-0 which um, I don't know how many people expected that. Then they continue that with losing six straight. Um, uh, Thursday night's game, I believe that they were up after that first quarter, and then they gave up 47 points in the yeah, second the quarter. The defense was abysmal. I, I was watching the game, and I was just like, no one even wants to guard anybody. I, I felt bad for Ricky Rubio. I'm like, man, uh, this guy signed for Phoenix for a long-term deal. Chris Paul decides he wants to go there and then they ship him back to his quote unquote hometown in Minnesota. And I'm like, that guy just must be in misery right now playing with a bunch of these selfish guys who can't do anything. You know, so you look at that game and like I said, they showed some signs, but they also melted down. Um, Go back to that Tuesday game. uh, Who were they playing? The, The Nuggets, I think. Yes. And they were basically leading the entire game until they got into the fourth quarter. Yeah, where they and, were completely just, shut down. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, they 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 showed some signs. I just don't think they have the right makeup, the right build for a team to contend. Um, I, I didn't expect much from them this season. And and I think that it's I know it's early on, so I can't really I can't say that a team isn't a contender when they're playing well because it's early. I also can't say that a team is done uh because they're not playing well because it's early. So I'm not going to say they're done, but I don't foresee them improving much, even with the healthy towns. I think he helps them win a few more games, but I just think the makeup, uh, the build of this team is definitely not where it should be. Uh, So I don't foresee them getting any better. Yeah. All right. Uh, Last question. They hire you Achilles rain GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves of these guys on the roster. Which ones would you not trade right now? Oh, gosh. See, I think their first mistake would be hiring me, and, and it's probably a move they would make just based off their other uh, history. But, I mean. I think your phone's uh, ringing now. Is it lighting up in the background there? Yeah, hold on. Hello? Yes. Uh, no, I will not take that job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I would. I'd have to see more. Uh, I'd have to see at least a quarter of the season in to, to really feel comfortable uh, making any decisions about who I'd let go and who I'd keep. Uh, I feel bad for guys like Rubio um, and guys like Towns who it almost feels like their careers are going to be wasted away on this franchise. And I'm not trying to, you know, throw dirt on the franchise or their fans, but 
they just don't seem to be doing things the right way. And I don't think that it's a quick fix. I think that this is almost like you said, a, a rebuild type of scenario where you just have to blow it all up and start from scratch. Yeah. Um, I, I'll go out on a positive note. I, I liked what I've seen from Anthony Edwards. I, um, I, I think uh, he could be a really solid forward in this league, a whole lot of explosive athleticism. Uh, he wasn't the, one of the ones I saw yesterday who wasn't, uh, you know, trying on defense. Uh, I, do worry a little bit that uh, as the season wears on and uh, losses start to pile up that, you know, bad habits start to creep in, but I've liked what I've seen so far. The big three in the West, I think we thought they would <laughs> be all contenders here and uh, two of them, their defense is horrible. One of them, their offense is horrible uh, though. Their defense hasn't been all that great the last couple of games, but I'm going to go through the trifecta of Portland, Denver, Utah. I don't know which one to start out with. I think I'm going to start out with Utah, who just had back-to-back losses to Brooklyn, sans Kevin Durant, and clearly Kyrie Irving was already off on a trip to Nowhereville by that point, and uh, then it got thrashed again, uh, blowing a lead to the Knicks. So let's start with the Jazz. What are you making of this start? Uh, traditionally, they have gotten off to stole starts. I will say that, but uh, I'm not liking the mojo of this right now. Yeah, I mean, they sit at four and four currently, which you know probably not where which, a lot of people like all have the them. West sits out right now too. I should yeah, listen, mention that. It, it's definitely a tough conference, and and we're probably going to see this at least for the beginning of the season as kind of things start to pan out. You might start seeing some separation with some of the better teams, but. You know, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people think. I know that they've had some uh, some miscues on defense and things like that, but I'm, I'm a little more surprised at the distribution of stats on this team as a whole. Um, I believe we have Donovan Mitchell, who's leading that team in points per game um, at 21.3. Uh, he's not really lighting it up as far as his shooting percentage goes. I think he's at just under 38%, uh, which is probably not where you want to be, but you know, he's the team leader. So I don't know how much you can take away from that. Uh, just right behind him, you have Mike Conley uh, at 17.4 points per game. And he's actually shooting the ball a little bit better. He's at 43.2%. So um, Clarkson is just slightly behind that. I mean, they're getting contributions from just about everybody, but I, I think that they're still missing some things. I, I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, Maybe as the season progresses, it'll kind of, you know, uh, reveal itself a little bit more. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. I, I'm trying to figure out exactly how how this team is uh, is going to get everything going. Well, I haven't thought Conley has looked bad, uh, which is a bright spot for him considering how bad he looked last year. Uh, maybe I overrated uh, how quick uh, Bojan would come back. Uh, he has not looked great right now, and, you know, when you think about it, he's been off for over a year. He had surgery on that wrist. Uh, you know, that might be messing him up a little bit. He just hasn't looked quite right. So uh, maybe if he can get his scoring back in there, um, they can, you know, that offensive game will start to rise up a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I've just watched, and maybe I caught them at a bad time. I've watched their last couple games, and I just hadn't liked the way they look. Uh, like you said, Mitchell is – He's basically looked like Allen Iverson 
you know, minus being able to score 30 points a game, <laughs> being inefficient and has been scoring 20 points a game, being inefficient. So I guess I should probably say he's looked like Dion Waiters or something. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, they're not doing horrible. And like I said, I think that as the season progresses, they'll, they'll probably kind of get a hold of this thing a little bit better. And then we might see the team that we all kind of expect, but you know, it's early on and, and I'm not going to hold that against them. Uh, I, I do think, like I said, that there's some things that they're going to have to fix and some issues they're going to have to address. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I know that Rudy Gobert's not really, you know, an offensive powerhouse. He's there for, you know, a, more of a defensive anchor. Um, he's doing his job. I think he's averaging at th- about 13 boards per game right now. So he's doing his job, but, you know, I think you have to get him a little more involved in the offense. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on to the other two teams on this list. We'll go to Portland. Um, the defense has just been atrocious, uh, which has really been their main problem. A little bit of it has been Dame uh, discounting last night. Uh, you know, uh, of course he drains eight threes uh, the night before we record this podcast. But uh, before that, He'd been a little off. His shooting hadn't been great. Um, I don't worry so much about that. It's Evans and Floats. You know, if this went on in the middle of the year, uh, none of us would even, you know, pick up on it. But because it's so early, we're like, what's going on with Dame? I'm not too worried about that. But uh, the defensive issues, I am a little worried about. They brought in Derek Jones. They brought in Robert Covington. Uh, you know, to sort of shore up this defense, you're getting Nurkic back uh, full time, but uh, it just seems like uh, they can't find a rhythm on defense right now. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I personally never really thought of this team as a defensive powerhouse. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to change much from the uh, the genetic makeup uh, of you know Portland Trailblazers of they the should past. Be able to stop the Bulls. Yeah, I. I I see where you're coming from, but to me, this team is built around, you know, two offensive guys, Damian Lillard. I dislike losses to Bulls. Yeah, I I get where you're coming from. Like I said, it's early, though. It's really early. Losses to Bulls at home. You must have had something riding on that game uh, because – I was just watching it in despair as – Jack Levine was carrying the Bulls in some weird center I hadn't heard of, which is very (laughs) rare considering I know every player in the NBA was dominating the game for the Bulls. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, why is Portland giving up layups? Uh, You know, I I shouldn't overreact by one game. I just, uh, you know, I've watched a couple others. I thought that I don't think I would have thought the defense was going to be good, Uh, but I thought it'd be a little bit better. Now, uh, you know, some of this is Zach Collins uh, once again, you know, broke that toe and he's going to be out even longer. He's probably out for the season, which is just sort of bad luck. You know, that guy's been uh, snake bit all year, but um, I don't know. It just, uh, I want this team to be good. Cause I think I like every player on it. Maybe not mellow, but everybody else. See, to me, this team is, like I said, they're built around their offense, and they're not going to beat be teams by shutting shutting them down. Um, they're going to beat teams by overpowering them offensively. You know, right now as it sits, uh, Lillard is averaging 27.6 points per game. Uh, he's shooting at about 44%. And then you have McCollum, who's averaging McCollum just – McCollum has been ridiculously good, I will say that. 
Yeah, he and he's just under 27 points per game. He's at 26.8, I believe is what it was. And uh, he's shooting at 43, uh, just a little bit above 43%. So, you know, both of those guys together are getting the job offensively. They're getting it done. And, and that's kind of what you expect. That's that's the makeup of this team. This is what they're going to do basically all season. And that's about it. I mean, they, they, they're not a defensive team and I didn't expect them to be, and I don't think they're going to be, uh, even if they do get some improvement and they do get guys back from injury. I don't think that they're going to be a defensive powerhouse team whatsoever. Uh, they're going to be a run and gun type team. that are going to basically have to outscore you to beat you. And, and that's pretty much what I expect the Portland trailblazers to be. Now they've got some really talented players. So I still think that they can definitely contend uh, I just don't know exactly where I see them, in, like in the seedings. Um, again, I, I go back to my to my main talking point. It's early in the season, so I'm not going to take too much away from this. But um, I think they're exactly what I expected them to be this season. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on to the other team that hasn't played defense so far. Um, the Denver Nuggets end up. Now, maybe this is just sort of a, a slow start because they played so late into the year, um, you know, last year and, you know, resetting. Uh, Jokic has looked uh, ridiculously good. He's been carrying them. I've been uh, very disappointed uh, with Jamal Murray's uh, start to the year. I don't think he's carried his side of the load with Jokic. Uh, Gary Harris uh, continues to sort of be the uh, black hole that uh, – no one's talking about. They gave him a big deal a couple years ago, and I don't think he's pulling his weight. Uh, now, uh, Porter's missed the last couple games uh, because of, uh, you know, COVID protocols. But, uh, you know, Millsap's looking old. Uh, I haven't loved the way Barton's looked. Um, I have liked uh, Campazzo coming in and uh, being a little bit of an energy uh, defensive guard. But uh, it, it's hard to get that minutes mix right uh, with Morris. I, I don't know. It just, this team did not get off to the sort of start. I thought they would. I thought they'd be, uh, you know, sort of a, a Milwaukee style, uh, you know, of the West and uh, just take that number one seed and run with it. And then, uh, you know, in uh, April and May, we start asking questions, you know, is this team built to win games in the playoffs? And uh, right now we're asking questions. Uh, can we make sure this team gets in the playoffs? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Now, I don't totally worry about them getting in the playoffs. I think they'll be fine. Oh, so do I. Uh, but I think that as far as these three teams are concerned, to me, this is the, probably the biggest surprise. I definitely didn't expect them to be at three and five at this point in the season. Um, that being said, I don't think Murray's playing as bad as you think. You know, I know that when you sit down, sit down and watch a game, it doesn't look like what we expected him to, to look like, but uh, listen, I mean, listen to this. Jokic is averaging 25.9 points per game shooting at a ridiculous 57.6%. Okay. Now Jamal Murray's just slightly behind that at 22 points per game shooting at 47.7%. So he's not far off. He just needs to step up a little bit more. Um, that team is basically once we get uh, Michael Porter back, that's, that's the big three for that team. That's, offensively that's where they're going to get their, the majority of their points from, from those three guys um, but when you look at the other stats Jokic is a, he's leading the team in assists I think that's another one he's of the leading biggest the league in assists right now what is he at 10.9 or something like that almost yeah. 11 assists per game I mean that's insane yeah 
you know, the, the way he's played has just been amazing. It, it's it's why I've I've probably been critical of Murray because I, I pretty much watched every Nugget game, and uh, it just seems like uh, Jokic is doing kind of everything, and Murray sort of you know going around and taking shots. Now maybe that's a little bit unfair. Um, I just wanted a little more. You know, I want uh, sort of LeBron and Anthony Davis when I get those two. I want my 50 points a game instead of my 45. But uh, maybe I'm asking a little much, especially this early in the season. Yeah, I mean, listen, we saw the way they ended last season. You know, they can get hot. And once they get hot, they're one of those teams that are dangerous because they've got contributors, uh, you know, maybe not offensively, but at least on the defensive side of the board. Like, they, they can play pretty gritty defense. Now – Jokic, man, he's, 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 to me, he's just a monster. And, and I don't think that, like you said, I think that it's probably a little bit of a disservice uh, the way Murray's playing, but you also have to look at the flow of the game. You can't really take away from Jokic to give to Murray either. Uh, Cause he's just, to me, he's, he's probably one, one of the top contenders for, I know it's super early on in the season, but um, if the season were to end today, to, to me, he's probably one of those top guys for uh, MVP. He's just doing a little bit of everything. And uh, it's surprising for them to currently have the record that they have, but it's early on. I, I trust they'll get it together and I trust that they'll definitely improve uh, going forward. Yeah. Okay. So of these three teams right now, which one would you be most worried about? I would say Utah. Yeah, uh, I, I think we agree. I'm a little worried about uh, Utah, too. Now, that being said, uh, I think they've started slow, uh, like, the last, like, six years in a row, and then by the All-Star break, they're sitting at, like, a 3-4 seed after they rip off, like, 12 or 13 wins. But uh, I don't know. I just haven't liked the way they looked early. Yeah, I agree with you. I, like I said, I, I think that all these teams have things that they have to fix. I just think that Utah probably will have a harder time fixing these things uh, than these other two teams. Yeah. All right. So we'll move to, uh, I guess, sad, disappointing news. Uh, Markel Fultz, uh, who was really starting to, you know, live up to his potential as the number one pick in the draft, uh, really was liking the way he was playing for uh, the Orlando Magic, who uh, I don't know if anybody knows, are 6-2 and two and uh, second in the East right now. And uh, him and Busevich were really flowing together. Uh, Ross and Fournier were playing good ball. Just sad about Fultz. Uh, what do you make of the injury, and uh, what do you make of uh, the Magic right now? Uh, do you think uh, Fultz can – rebuild himself again because uh I, I think it took a lot for him to rebuild himself after being that number one pick and you know having the shoulder injury that was you know in his head but uh what do you make of this situation here I, I don't know I mean I know that that shoulder injury probably a lot of us look at it and we're like okay this was more of a you know your uh, manhood was injured more than your shoulder but I don't know. I think he grew mentally from that. Yes, I think definitely. That, I think it definitely made him a better, not just person, but player. Uh, and it made him focus more on his game. And I think it was apparent uh, based off the way he was playing this season. Uh, I know that he's out now for the entire season for, you know, tearing his, uh, his ACL, you know, the injury happened in the first quarter of that, uh, that Cavaliers game. And I, uh, although he was driving to the basket, it was still a non-contact injury, which, are usually the worst kind because then, you know, it's serious. Um, 
but he had been averaging career highs prior to that injury. Uh, I know that's not, you know, anything to like really gloat about, but, you know, coming from where he was at. Well, yeah, it, three years ago, uh, we'd probably be more shocked uh, that he was still in the league. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything. He was I think, traded for basically peanuts to the Magic. Yeah, I think that he was starting to kind of come into his own uh, in his second year as the uh, starter, starting point guard for the uh, for the for the Magic. But he was averaging fourteen point three points per game and uh, just over six assists per game. So he was kind of getting into the flow of things, and it's very disappointing to see it happen. Um, you know, a lot of people were considering him a bust already. Uh, you know, especially after, like you said, being the number one overall pick and uh, not really, you know, playing like one. We've seen it countless times where these really high picks just don't pan out. It's just, it's really hard to tell how these guys are going to play uh, in, you know, when it gets to playing in the professional ranks. Uh, but the Magic are six and two. Uh, they're second in the East. And uh, now they're going to really depend on uh, Cole Anthony, I think, to step up. And, uh, They've got a couple other guys in uh, in uh, Jordan and uh, who's the other guy? Um, Karen. Is yeah, that, I think those two guys that they're, they're kind of like two way players. I, I think maybe they can help a little bit. Uh, the biggest issue with the whole injury for them is the fact that the Magic are one of the few teams that have their entire roster completely guaranteed money. So. Basically, they're tired. They're they can't really sign anybody unless they cut somebody and have to pay him their guaranteed money. So they're in a really delicate situation. I don't know exactly where they go from here. Uh, I wasn't expecting them to be as good as they've been playing. So uh, I guess they could go for that uh, that hardship exception. Uh, you know, because they have two starters that are out and they have a role player that isn't playing. So they might be able to sign someone off, you know, a free agency like that. But I don't know, man. I, I think this injury is really going to hurt them. I I really like the potential he, he was starting to show and uh, he was really starting to come into his own as a player. Um, so it's very unfortunate for them and for him. But I do expect him to, you know, be stronger at least mentally from coming back from this, uh, I think he can do it, especially, you know, after what he endured, uh, not living up to his potential uh, early on in his career. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to ask you, can this run continue with Cole Anthony uh, sort of guiding this ship? He, he's a much different, you know, I w you say point guard, but I mean, basically he's a scoring guard to, occasionally passes the ball uh much different than faults but can this uh run for the magic continue i mean vucevic has been really good ross has been really good uh gordon's been you know what aaron gordon is i i just don't know if they can can sustain uh with cole anthony there though uh my uh, dark horse, uh, Cole Anthony, uh, rookie of the year pick at the beginning of the year, uh, now might look pretty good because uh, he's going to get some shots coming his way. Yeah, I, I don't think they can sustain this type of play. Um, and it's not because I don't think that they have guys that they can depend on. Like you said, they've got a lot of guys that are good. And it's not that I don't you know, think that Cole Anthony is any good. I think he's, he's good. I think he's decent. But he's just a different type of player. You know, what we were getting from Fultz is not what we're going to get 
from uh, from Cole. So to say that they can sustain this type of play, I don't think so. I don't think they can. Uh, I think unless they completely change the dynamic of that team and the way they're going to play going forward, they can still win games. You know, they like you said, they've got some some good, some really good players on that team, but it's going to take them changing their philosophy um, from you know a guy who. I don't want to say pass first mentality, but, you know, definitely a guy who can get the ball to different More players. More willing to share the ball, I think. Exactly. Um, so I think you got to change your philosophy a little bit, but I still think that they're probably going to end up being better than a lot of us expected. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to our next one. Uh, we went through the West teams that decide uh, defense is optional. Uh, we're going to go to two Eastern teams that have, uh, I guess, decided defense is optional. <laughs> we'll start with Atlanta and we'll move to the complete and utter train wreck. That is the Washington wizards defense. Um, any truth that uh, some team is going to sign you to a 10 day contract uh, and have you play the wizards and have them, have you score uh, 20 points on them? Uh, well, see, I was actually planning on throwing up a 75 point game so that, it, and then quitting after that so that my average could stay at 75 uh, go down as the highest scoring uh, player in history. But no, there is no truth to that rumor. Well, uh, if there was a team to do it, would it would be the Wizards. But uh, we'll start out with the Hawks. Uh, their uh, fun, uh, hot, fresh start uh, has pretty much ended because they've been awful uh, since we last talked about them. Um, they can't guard anyone. Uh, their big free agent sightings uh, can't really shoot right now. Uh, I think their best player right now is DeAndre Hunter. Uh, give or take uh, what you think of Trey Young and his atrocious defense, which uh, nobody wants to mention while he's scoring 30 points a game, but uh, giving up 45. But uh, I think we both had some uh, hesitation about this Hawks team. It looked a little nerve wracking early, but uh, this last week, I, I think we've seen what the Hawks are. Uh, fun to watch, uh, but can't guard. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks started off 3-0. And they've lost three straight games, putting them at 500. They're at four and four, I think. So probably not the ideal start. Probably not the ideal. Uh, I don't want to say finish because we're not at the end, but you get where I'm saying. Uh, it's just not a good stretch of games over the last three. Now, I don't want to completely fault the team as a whole because they've seemed to have had like injury issues in just about every game. Um, I know that uh, Capella, uh, their center was uh, was hurt for a little bit. Gallinari, uh, Rondo, they've been in and out yes, of the lineup. I know. It's stunning. Gallinari is hurt. <laughs> Who would have foreseen that coming? But, you know, but I, I still think that, you know, I, I don't I don't know. Like you said, I wasn't, I didn't know which way to lean on this team. I was really confused about whether I thought they'd be good or be bad. Um, they're currently sitting at 500. So, that actually hurts my opinion of what I would think even more. Um, but again, a lot of this has to do because of injuries. So I'm not going to really hold that against them. Um, Trey young definitely needs to work on his defensive game. Cause like you said, I'm not, I'm not sure what his plus minus is right now, but I can almost guarantee you that it's not good. All right. So uh, I have one other question. Uh, you give Bogdanovich uh a four-year, $80 million deal. 
uh, seemingly to start at the two guard. And uh, you start him the first game and then uh, pretty much bring him off the bench the rest of the thing. Now, I know Gallinari getting hurt, uh, you know, God foreseen that, uh, you know, he's only spent his whole career pretty much on the injury list. But um, he's playing 25 minutes a game. Is this what you paid $80 million for uh, when you already had DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter there? Yeah, well, when this happened, when the deal went down, we were both shocked about it. Uh, and I think this is the reason why we were shocked about it. We weren't sure how he was going to be utilized. Now, like you said, part of it has to do with injuries. But I'm sorry, if you're paying a guy that type of money, I want him on the court as long as he can stay out there and contributing as much as he can. And I mean, you look at at the, at the, the team leaders, uh, you know, he's not doing anything. He's not really up there for anything. You know, you've got Trey young and, and Collins leading you in the points per game. You've got Capella leading you in rebounds uh, and then Rondo and young in assist. I mean, where is that money going to? You know, it could have been used for so many other things, so many different assets you could have brought in to help, like maybe someone who plays defense. But <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, again, I don't want to jump the gun. It's it's pretty early on, and maybe they figure something out, but I, I just don't see it, to be honest with you. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we thought the Hawks' defense is bad, but uh, I don't know how much of the Wizards you've caught. I, I will say... I've caught a lot of the Wizards because I, I quite enjoy watching them play basketball. But uh, is that what you is, call it, basketball? <laughs> this is possibly the worst defensive team I've ever seen in my life. Uh, they rival some of those like 80s Nuggets teams, uh, which, mind you, purposely uh, played high scoring games in the 130s and 140s. Uh, I think the Wizards are actually trying on defense, and uh, they're just this awful. But. Um, it's not been a good ride for Scotty Brooks since he's gone to the Wizards. Uh, we'll start there and work our way through uh, how bad uh, this team seems to fit together defensively. But uh, how long a leash do you think Scotty has left here? Not very long. I think that it's uh, it's just near about to the point where he's about to get choked. Um, and and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. You know, he's he's kind of worked with what he's got. This team. The team as a whole in general just doesn't mesh well. It doesn't seem like the type of team uh, that you put together to even contend. To me, it almost seems like they needed to you know, fill that roster with some guys. Uh, that way they could actually play NBA games and they just put together what they could. And, and that's the feel I'm getting for this. Now, you know, you brought in guys like uh, Westbrook for what? He's been sitting, you know, basically every other game on back-to-backs. And I don't know if this is the type of trend that's going to continue. We'll definitely see it coming up because they've got quite a few back-to-back games coming up. Uh, and if you're bringing a guy like Westbrook, who's super explosive, why not use him? I, I don't understand. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure this team out. And um, But to be completely honest with you, I, I, I don't even, like you said, they're entertaining to watch, not so entertaining to talk about. Is there a way to help the defense? Uh, I, I just don't see options. Uh, I think Denny's, uh, 
I guess a solid defender, but uh, you're asking a young rookie uh, from Europe to anchor down a defense with a lot of bad defensive players. Uh, Rui's active. I don't know if he's a lockdown defender. Um, I think a little bit of the problem is Thomas Bryant, who's been really good on offense, but is just a sieve at the rim. I, I just don't know how you sort of write this situation, especially when I definitely thought this would sort of be a East uh, middle tier contender. Uh, but uh, I was very wrong. I think. Well, you think about it, you look at this, like I said, go back to stats and look at the, like they say, stats never lie. Their entire stat leader column is filled with guards. They, they It's literally Beal and Westbrook. Beal and Westbrook for just about any stats, whether you look at points per game, rebounds or assists. I mean, it's just those two guys, uh, you know, you, you need more, you need, you need some sort of contribution uh, that balances things out a little bit. Uh, and maybe that won't tire guys out. Maybe they can try to play some defense. I, I, I don't know to be completely honest with you to me. Uh, this team just needs a lot of help. Yeah. Um. We'll go with the same question I ask about the Western Conference team. Of the Hawks, of the Wizards, which of these two teams are you more worried about? The Wizards. Yeah, and, I, I think I'd have to agree. The Wizards and, would probably be my answer. Yeah, and my only my only uh, reasoning for that is, like I said, I don't know what this team's makeup is. You know, like I said, they've been sitting Westbrook every, uh, every second game on a back-to-back. You've got quite a few of those coming up. He's also your assist leader right now at 11.8 assists per game. He's also your rebound leader right now at 10.7 rebounds per game. How, how is this going to work when you're sitting him every other game uh, and he's leading your team in just about every stat? Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll go to a situation I don't think is bad, but uh, it's just an observation I've made from watching him a handful of time. Uh the New Orleans Pelicans, four and four, like most of the West. Uh, they've been, you know, hot and cold, like most of the West. Uh, but I've watched uh, Zion a lot, and uh, there doesn't seem to be the explosiveness uh, we saw in college, we saw in high school, and uh, I'm a little worried that uh, that you know, big thundering, athletic, you know, bruiser that uh, we all you know, thought was going to be a unicorn in this league is a more a trudging big man who can, you know, get his 20 points and his six rebounds. But uh, I think his rebounding numbers are what sort of show his uh, athleticism isn't what it was, you know, two years ago. And the fact that he's uh, like 20 years old and uh, if his athleticism is already dropping, uh, is that a worrying sign? I'll tell you what, it's, it's funny that you brought that point up because it's one of the things that um, I thought we would talk about. I'm not worried. And I'll tell you why Uh, it's, I don't know. I know that you watch these games, but there are a lot of people out there with the same type of uh, concerning uh, emotions as you have about them. And it derives from a talking point that was on uh, sports media that, you know, he had lost a step, that he was slowing down. But when I watch the games, I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I, I He's definitely playing more minutes per game this time around. So I think he's trying to uh, kind of lengthen 
uh, his ability to, to play at a high level, uh, which is very smart in my opinion. Um, but I, I think he looks just as promising as before. I just think that he's not going out there with complete disregard for his own safety and everyone else and just flying over everybody and dunking on three guys at one time. Uh, he could still do those things. I think he could still do them. I just think that he's trying to, like I say, he's going for longevity more than anything, uh, which if you ask me, it's probably a smarter thing to do. Um, if he could stay healthy with the more minutes he's playing, I think that as the season progresses, you'll definitely see the numbers kind of balance themselves out a little bit more. Um, as it stands right now, uh, he's behind Brandon Ingram in points per game at 21.4. Uh, he's shooting at 55.9% from the field. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, he's not leading the team in rebounds, uh, but that's because you got other guys like Steven Adams and Josh Hart who are going out there and fighting for rebounds. Like I said, I think that the Pelicans are really looking uh, to conserve him uh, for the long run. They realize that that team is basically going to go as far as he can carry them. And uh, I think they're trying to keep him at, at full go for as long as they can possibly keep him. Uh, I think there'll definitely be games though, where we'll see his explosives and, and we'll see him uh, dunking on guys in and out. Uh, but I'm not worried to be completely honest with you. I know that it's a little bit of a slow start for him, but I think he'll pick it up. Well, I think that's what I was going to ask is maybe this is a calculation by the Pelicans and uh, by himself uh, to sort of just use his uh, size and his body uh, and not have to go uh, full board like he did in college and high school uh, because his body probably wouldn't hold up if he went like that. Um, you know, maybe somebody like Blake Griffin, uh, if he had, you know, sort of learned how to do this uh, earlier in his career, he might have held up a little better. Uh, there's no way to know. But, um, you know, uh, when he came out the draft, I, I compared it to someone like Sean Kemp. And uh, he just uh, – he doesn't look like Sean Kemp right now. You know, early Sean Kemp. Uh, I, I don't know how young our listeners are. They might be thinking of uh, Orlando Magic, uh, Portland Trailblazers, uh, <laughs> heavily intoxicated and fat Sean Kemp. But uh, – Go watch some uh, Seattle Supersonics uh, late 80s, uh, early 90s uh, games, and uh, you'll see a completely dominant and athletic, huge big man, uh, Sean Kemp, who was really great. And I, I thought we were going to get that from Zion. And I'm just not seeing it right now. But uh, it, it might be calculated, especially for somebody his size. But I, I, think if, I think the rebounding thing is what concerns me. If I told you he was going to be under 10 rebounds a game two years ago when he got drafted. Would you have believed that? No, there's no way I would have believed that. Uh, but like I said, I think a lot of it is because of the system. He's got other guys that are putting their bodies on the line, going up for rebounds. And it, it takes away from the necessity of having him to strain himself that much more. Um, I think it's a smart play. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Stan Van Gundy. I think it's just the type of system that he's rolling out. And uh, I think it's a smart, smart system to play. I think that, like, like I said, they seem he's going to go about as far as he can carry them. And uh, they're trying to keep him healthy and fresh for the long run. They're not looking at, you know, making a few highlights here and there and then him getting hurt and they're back to what they've been over the last few seasons. So um, I, I think they're going about it the right way. I, I think we're bound to see some explosive plays uh, sometime this season. I just don't think we're going to see him as often as we're used to seeing him. 
Okay, so we'll count Achilles not worried. We'll count me a little worried. Uh, but uh, we'll move on to our final, our number one thing on the week. Um, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they've been a fun team for the last, uh, I guess it's probably been about 10 years now. But uh, they've been really bad. Uh, one and six. Uh, they're sitting down there with the Pistons. And uh, if you're sitting with the Pistons, um, it's not a good look because uh, – if anybody wants to watch a train wreck on television, go watch a Detroit Pistons game. Uh, Jeremy Grant, uh, good work. Uh, I'm glad you got your high usage rate and uh, the worst version of James Harden I've ever seen in my life. But uh, enjoy the one and seven record. But Toronto, uh, I don't know if we thought they'd be Eastern contenders, but uh, I think we thought they'd be on the fringe of being an Eastern contender. And uh, they're sitting down here at the bottom. They're worse than Washington right now. So what do you make of this start? Um, their defense has been really good. It's one of those tops in the leagues, but they can't seem to generate any offense. Pascal Siakam uh, has just looked worse and worse. I don't know what to make of this team. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, to me, uh, if I had to to go back, I, I would have to look at my notes and to kind of see where I thought this team was going to end up. I definitely didn't think that they'd be a, a contender, but I thought that they'd probably kind of scratch the surface of it. Like they were last year. You know, they battled Boston to seven games and, you know, a tough out. But uh, right now they're just terrible. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I don't know. To me, I just feel like this team has put a little too much emphasis on defense. Now, you said that they're currently, what are they on defense? Uh, I think last I saw they were like number four in the league in defense. Now, that might have changed. Uh, I, I saw it a couple of days ago. So, I mean, they're definitely they're definitely playing well defensively. Uh, but they're like 30th in offense. That's the concern is that they just, they just seem to show no offense. And for some reason, the coach just keeps hammering this defense. Defense will create offense. And I know that there's certain situations where that's true, where, uh, you know, offense comes from defensive play, but it just doesn't seem to be the case with, uh, with this team. And it's, it's a little concerning. Um, am I shocked that they're at one and one and six right now? A little bit. I didn't think they would be this bad, but I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, uh, Baines has, uh, struggled, uh, to really make an impact this season. And, uh, that probably plays some into it. Um, I know that he hasn't been horrible defensively, but he's offensively yeah, he's no longer really... hitting threes like he was last year. Yeah, and so I mean, I don't know. To me, this this team is really really confusing because, like I said, I didn't expect them to be good, but I also didn't expect them to be this bad. They're they're definitely not in good company with that record, uh, and they definitely have some things to do now. They just need to get their offense good enough to keep them in games. Because, like you said, defensively they're playing well. It's it's offensively where the struggles are. Um, can they fix it in time? I I don't know. I I would seriously have to uh, see some different implementations on the philosophy to believe that they can really uh, shake it up offensively. I I just don't see it. Yeah. Um... Do you think they can turn it around? Uh, I, I'm not totally out on them yet, uh, but I think we thought a couple of those teams uh, might drop out of the uh, playoffs and a couple of the ones that missed it last year uh, will move in. 
is Toronto going to be one of those teams that ends up falling out? And uh, if they are, do you start to look to rebuild this? Uh, I know you gave uh, Van Fleet uh, a bunch of money. You probably keep Van Fleet, but, uh, you know, Kyle's sort of aging out. Do you look to move him? I don't know what you do with Pascal Siakam because I think his value is much lower than it was last year. Um, OG seems like a good piece, but uh, I don't know what you do with him. Uh, I'm just curious what you think about uh, revamping or uh, stay the case and uh, sort of uh, ride the Titanic out with the ship if it uh, starts to sink even further. I don't know because, I mean, some of these guys, like you said, Van Fleet, uh, I think he's been one of the bright spots. Uh, Larry is doing what Larry does. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's really hard for me, especially this early on to, to kind of think that they have to completely, there's certain teams that I could tell you almost with confidence, just drop what you're doing and rebuild. Uh, I don't know if Toronto is one of those teams just yet. Uh, I still like some of the pieces that they have. And uh, like you said, defensively, they've shown a lot of life. It's the offensive side of the ball that really, uh, worries me and I don't know if they can fix that um, like I said maybe halfway through the season I'll get a better idea of of this team's makeup going forward but right now as I sit I just think it's a little worrisome yeah um, Kyle's been all right uh, what do you make of the Pascal Siakam right now it is it just roll over from uh, what went down with the Celtics in the playoffs where you know, basically it was atrocious and he hasn't looked much better this year. Do you just uh, sort of wait it out? I, I should say they're playing all their games in Tampa Bay right now. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, they're the Toronto Raptors. So maybe that's uh, messing them up a little bit. Uh, supposedly Pascal had a lot of problems in the bubble mentally. Uh, is there a way back for him or is he just... Uh, he hit his ceiling, and now we're seeing uh, sort of a regression back to the mean. I don't know. Uh, it's really hard for me to pinpoint. I mean, when you look at the numbers, the numbers really don't look that bad. He's averaging 20 points per game. Um, but he's shooting just below, I mean, just above 48%, if I'm not mistaken. Um, rebounds is where I think I've seen a little bit of a drop-off. I think he's at 7.7 right now, uh, which is a little concerning. You'd expect him to be... Well, I think he is the team leader, but you would expect him to kind of put up bigger numbers there. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, to me, like I said, I think this is just one of those teams where I need to see a little bit more of them, uh, see if they can kind of right the ship. Because um, like I said, I didn't expect them to be good, but I didn't expect them to be bad either. So uh, I I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll get a better idea, uh, you know, a few more weeks into the season. Will they make the playoffs? I don't think they will. I think that this slow start is really going to hurt them. Um, them not playing at home uh, is probably also hurting them. Uh, there's got to be some sort of mental aspect to that, but I don't think they make the playoffs. I thought that prior to the season, they were probably, like you said, on the fringe of it. Uh, and I think that right now uh, their current play is probably pushing them uh, outwards looking in. Yeah. All right. So that's our eight NBA things of the week. Be sure to tune in next week when we have eight more NBA things of the week. Uh, thanks, Achilles Rain, for joining us. Where can we find you, Achilles? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles, YouTube at That Dude Achilles, and Facebook as Achilles Rain. 
All right, we'll go to our movie review, the review of Soul. All right, we're going to go to Rita Cinema for our movie review, Soul. So another big box office movie that didn't quite make it to the big box office due to COVID. Uh, came out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we didn't have to pay for it this time like Mulan. But uh, what'd you make of Soul, uh, the Pixar film, big release? Uh, how'd you grade it? Well, I'm not going to tell you my grade until I finish my review in terms of my ranking. But I will say here we've got another winner from Pixar, certainly in terms of the animation and the overall entertainment value. Um, in, in this particular, I think a lot of the movies that Pixar has released, you know, in the last 10 years, um, try to incorporate some type of life lesson or, you know, something like that for us to identify with. And I didn't think they really hit on anything very new here. They've just sort of repackaged some life, uh, some lessons about the meaning of life. And it certainly reminded me a little bit about, of, I, although I haven't watched them in a little while, of more recent Pixar films with Coco and Upward. Um, so I, I didn't think it was a whole lot new, but it's repackaged and the animation and the story are fun and interesting. A lot of death this year for Pixar with Upward and, uh, yeah. uh Soul. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure if they've got philosophy professors working for them these days or, or what, but let me give the, the story and forgive me if this seems a little convoluted. I'm, I tried to, and long, I tried to summarize it, but there are a lot of things going on in this movie and I haven't even covered any all of them in my in my plot summary here but you've got the main character joe gardner who is voiced by um jamie fox uh he's a middle school teacher from new york city and he dreams of a career in jazz as a jazz pianist and on the very same day that he finds out that he's been going to be offered a he's been working part-time as a music teacher and the same day he finds out that he's he has the opportunity to work full-time permanently in this school he also learns of an opening in a, a jazz band um that's headed by this legendary dorothea williams uh and she, her her character is voiced by angela bassett and so he goes and he auditions for it. And impressed by Joe's piano playing, Dorothea offers him a chance to perform later that night. Well, Joe is so happy. He skips off. He's running through traffic. And uh, he's ready to prepare for the show. And what happens? But he falls down a manhole. And the next thing we know, we find Joe and his soul heading for the great beyond. Um but he's furious. He's like, no, no, I can't die now. I've got to, you know, I've got this chance to be a piano player. So um, uh, he's unwilling to die before his big break. So he escapes um, the path to the great beyond. But instead, <laughs> in doing this, he ends up in a place called the great before, uh, where soul counselors, who are all named Jerry, uh, prepare unborn souls for life. Um, really, it, it's a, a very sweet story with with all these jerry's and and um joe is then each soul and the little souls they're preparing for life to go to the earth so each soul has a little badge and once filled out with their traits it grants them pa passage to earth but the last little badge that the last little um 
thing they have to get for their badge um, is their spark. They have to find their spark, and they're mentored uh, uh, by great people or just average people, instructors, uh, to get to find their spark. And um, Joe, when he hits the grate before, they mistake him as an instructor and assign him to mentor this little cynical soul called 22, and uh, 22 is uh, voiced by Tina Fey, um, and uh, wonderful as always, Um, and she has been in the great before for millennia, for a very long time. She's had teachers like Beethoven and Mother Teresa and on and on and on, and none of them, she frustrated all of them, and none of them could help her find her spark. So she needs to find her spark in order to complete her badge, and um, she actually has no interest whatsoever. She's very cynical in living on Earth. She doesn't want to earn her badge. But she says she'll do it because she can give her badge to Joe and then he could return home to Earth. So Joe tries to help 22 find her passion. Um, but the, all his attempts prove futile and... Um, they cannot seem to find her spark or anything. I mean, it's, you know, a disaster. And um, they find out that if they, there's this place called the zone, and there is, uh, they, that is an area um, where uh, lost souls go that, who have become sort of broken people. But also in the zone is Moonwind, uh, the captain of a psychedelic pirate ship that helps to rescue lost souls. So he finds Joe and 22, and they find him. The, and um, the his uh, Moonwind and his mystics agree to help Joe, who actually is back in back on Earth. He is in the hospital in a coma, and they agree to help Joe get back to Earth. Um, so Joe. Uh, excitedly uh, hops on uh, to, to this um, psychedelic ship and they get him back to Earth. But he accidentally, in the process of doing that, brings 22 along. Who is, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't want to go to Earth. She, Earth. She has no interest in it. But what happens in their trip back to Earth is that 22 ends up in Joe's body. And Joe ends up in the body of, uh, or the uh, a therapy cat, a name Mister Mittens, I think is his name. Um, and um, twenty two is at first she's just terrified because she doesn't want to be there and she just wants to hide. Um, but then as she uh, settles into Joe's body, um, she starts finding all these wonderfully enjoyable things on Earth. And uh, just little things in life, uh, little, uh, and you'll find out at the end, she, you know, the, the little um, uh, things that fly off the maple tree, I can't remember, the little seeds that fly off, fly off the little wings that, she, you know, she catches one and, and she's enchanted by it and just little things like that. So uh, we've got 22 in Joe's body, Joe in Mr. Mitten's body, and in the meanwhile, Back in the Great Before, the an accountant that works for the Great Beyond has found that he's missing a soul, and of course his soul is Joe, and he's counting his souls, and um, he's find, he he uh, knows he's missing one, and he finds out it's Joe, and he heads to Earth to look for the missing Joe to bring him back. 
So, um, Joe, in the meantime, and I've told you that this goes a lot of different directions. Joe, in the meantime, uh, in the body of, uh, in the soul, being uh, inhabiting the Mr. Mittens, Joe is Mr. Mittens, has to find out how to get back to his own body so that he could make his concert with the jazz group. And what he finds out is that Moonwind also inhabits a body on Earth, and he has a day job as a sign twirler. That I just thought that was hilarious. I loved it. Moonwind is the sign twirler. And it, apparently Moonwind can help Joe be restored to his body. Um, and uh, so he goes out seeking Moonwind to do this. However, at the same time, 22 has decided, she's had this epiphany. She's decided that maybe Earth isn't so bad and she wants to stay uh, in Joe, there with Joe's body. So she takes off with Joe chasing her and, um, you know, trying to get her so he can get her uh, to Moonwind and they can exchange their bodies, their their souls again in their bodies, and and she can go back to the great before. However, you still got Terry chasing all of them, and he catches up with them, and he actually brings both of them, uh, Joe and 22, back to the great before. So Joe hasn't had the chance to play his concert 22 has changed her mind, and she has found her spark, and that's what they realize. And when they get back to the great before, 22 realizes that her badge has been filled out, and she can go back to Earth. But Joe insists that the reason that she found this spark and realized it was because she experienced it through him, through his body while she was on Earth. And it was through his experiences and his tastes in life that she got this so then 22 gets angry and throws the badge at him and disappears into the zone of lost souls so now joe can get back to earth because he's got this badge so he heads back to earth and he has this successful wonderful performance with the dorothea quartet now i'm going to throw in here that i'm not going to go into detail but before he has this performance he has um an exchange with his mother and there's a lot of issues there um that, uh, of uh, him trying to live a lot of the life of his father, too. So anyway, I, as I say, I'm not going to... That's another path to go down, the mother, father, Joe. His father is, is no longer living, but um, anyway, that's another aspect to the story, and Fel, uh, Felicia Rashad plays, uh, voices the, the mother in this story. Um, so he... But he does make it, oh, and part of it, too, is that his mother does come to realize that this is his dream, and she gives him uh, this suit that belonged to his father, which he wears to his his um, debut with Dorothea's quartet. So he does get to play with the quartet, and, you know, he has a successful performance. However, after it's done, um, it's not as fulfilling as Joe thought it was going to be, and he sort of has this thought in his mind then, pointed out by Dorothea, that basically it's going to be a routine night after night. And he then realizes that there have been a lot of other things, including mentoring 22, uh, that have really brought him joy in life. And it's not just about this passion he has from, for, for music. There are many things in his life that have brought him joy, and he starts to feel pretty bad about taking 22's badge. So um, 
he this is where he takes the little maple wing and he looks at it and he goes back to the the um great before I've kind of forgotten how he gets back there though I don't know if you remember that but I, he gets into the trance uh while playing the piano in oh, his house. Oh, that's yeah, okay. All right. And um anyway, he goes back and 22 is now, she's a lost soul. She has gone to the zone of lost souls. But he he uses this little maple seed that she kept and as inspiration, and um, he finds her, and he convinces her that she's ready to live her life on Earth and um, return uh, to, you know, normal and, and go back to Earth. So with her badge... Uh, Joe, let, he realizes what he's doing when he does this, though, is that he's giving up his chance to be on Earth, and it means that he will go to the great beyond. He will be dead, and he'll go to the great beyond. But he gives it up for 22 because he realizes how much it means to her and what he's done to help her. And so he, you know, he, he holds her hand and, and stays with her as long as he can, and then 22 heads to heads to earth and you know we know then she's going to be a living soul somewhere that's uh, um the very sweet part of the story and um he then has to prepare to go to the great beyond he has come to the realization that his life is over and he must go to the great beyond but one of the jerry's intervenes oh we're so happy the jerry intervenes and thanks um joe for being such an inspiration to them and and to 22 and they offer him another chance at life so joe accepts that i'm almost going to cry it's so sweet and in the movie joe accepts it and returns to earth and he's ready now to live his life more fully and appreciate every single moment that's basically the story as i'm sorry that was a very long plot summary yeah. All right. So that's the story of Soul. I got a couple vibes off this film watching it. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, 80s Albert Brooks movie, uh, Defending Your Life with Mer- Meryl Streep. I-, I got a little bit of, you know, as the flashbacks happened and, uh, you know, a sort of uh, unhappy, depressed person, uh, you know, ends up in uh, purgatory, you know, looking back right. at his life and how he goes about it. Right. Now, there's no Meryl Streep character. Everybody's sort of uh, unhappy with their lot in life uh, with between him and 22. But I got a little bit of that vibe, which uh, if anyone hasn't seen that movie, uh, go watch it. It's a pretty funny movie. Um, my favorite part of the film was definitely when uh, Mr. Mittens and uh, 22 were in the reverse bodies going about Earth. I, I just yeah, loved those it scenes. It was really cute. They were hilarious. Uh, yeah. The barbershop uh, scene oh, was... Oh, that was wonderful. Just yes, great. Yeah. And then uh, when the little shadowy guy takes the wrong guy's soul and lets oh, him yes. stare at death, yeah, and then he's yeah. looking all weird yeah. uh, afterwards. There I, are lots of parts of this movie that are just... Really, it's a very upbeat movie. There's nothing... Even though it sounds kind of sad yes. and it... It's a lovely, lovely, upbeat movie. Well, uh, Pixar continues its, continues its theme of being able to pull off, uh, sort of have the, uh, you know, funny, ha-ha, kids sort of hijinks in there. But uh, right. 
really a uh, storyline wise, it probably appeals more to adults. Yeah, because children would not pick up on really any of these right. themes other than you know, unless their parents tell yes. them and explain it. Yes, yeah. other than you know, twenty two shenanigans and yeah. you know all that. But uh, really, that, that's one of the points I was going to make in 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 some of my observations on the the film. I, yeah. I think that's true. So the other thing I was curious about, uh, it might be a little. Uh, Christopher Nolan timeline thing, but I thought Connie, uh, the trombone uh, player who was really good. Oh yes, might uh-huh. actually have been twenty two. Oh, in my. a body because you remember when uh, yeah. she goes to the apartment. <laughs> yeah, and then you know twenty two bonds with her. Yes, ass. it just uh, made me think. Maybe they're the same person. Now, that might be, you know, a reading too much into it. I think you are reading too much into it, but, but it's, it's a nice thought. Uh, yeah, I know. It's a fun little plot line. I love that thought. It, I didn't, it didn't come to it me. Had the same, she had the same sort of attitude and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, hated everything, but then, you know, she loved everything. But you see, 22 in the body of Joe kind of saves Connie. Yes, but see, that's helps. also what made me think that maybe... Because oh, she was her. She can yeah. save her because she knows how to get to her. But, uh, you know, that's uh, probably I, like yeah, I think six Joe, levels too deep of reading into the storyline. Right. My, mm-hmm. it, it might be. <laughs> but I think Joe, you know, understands what uh, 22 has done for Connie, too. And, and um, you know, I think he sees then what impact he has, you know, yes. based on what 22 did through his... Yeah, definitely. ...through his... Uh, uh, um, body. So I have a few observations. I, you know, we've already touched on a couple. One is that I, I must admit, I, you know, just as it took me a long time to tell the story and I left out a whole lot of, of a, uh, aspects of the theme, it's a bit existential. And I, I think it may take on too many philosophical life lessons um, for us to move around in our heads. Uh, about finding your passion in life and being happy with it and about family relationships, about life and death and and what is important to value in life. Um, it, that doesn't take away from the entertainment value of the movie, but I do think maybe they stacked it on a little Well, I was going to ask you this question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you thinking Pixar might be going too deep with some of these uh, things? This one, sandwiched with Onward, that came out yeah. earlier in the year, are both really sort of... I don't want to say dark, but they're... Yeah. Is somebody they're, Pixar really depressed right now about their but, life? You know, I say that, and then, you know, they released Toy Story 4 last yes, year. They yeah. released, uh, you know, uh-huh. The Incredibles, too. Right. So they have their, you know, fun yeah, ones fun in there. movies, too. But, yeah. uh, Although there are lessons in, in those stories, yeah. too. It's just not as But you start to mix dark, this one maybe, with, uh, yeah. you know, uh-huh. Inside Out, which came out, you yes. know, four years ago that dealt with depression and all this. So. And Coco. And Coco. Uh, yeah. So i just curious maybe yeah. they've gotten a little too uh well uh, i'd say a yeah adult thematic uh well i think they figure adults are always gonna take their kids to movies too but this gets the adults and the kids i i don't know i do think um that was one of the points i was going to make too that i i really think this is a, a movie that adults will take to and enjoy um but I don't really know at what point, at what age, I don't have enough in, uh, contact with young children anymore. I don't know at what point kids will really get into it. I think 
you know, younger kids might enjoy Mr. Mittens, the yes. cat. You know, that's kind of cute. And some of the animated figures. Um, but I think you're going to have to be 9, 10 years old, really not be bored by this. Don't you think young kids will get bored? Well, I, so, yeah, I think this is an adult movie. And so I think I Upward think and Coco It doesn't even too. have the, like, Coco, where it had yeah. all the bright colors and yes. the, you know, right. Latin music. Where yes. this one has a more jazz. It, yes. I, I don't want, the music was great in yeah, this. Yeah, the music was very good. It is a jazz music, and yeah, I, I'm not that sure that. doesn't appeal to kids for the most part to music, either. as yeah. you have the Latin mm-hmm. music that has, you know, fun beats and dancing yeah. and all this. So it's it's a totally different theme, but uh, I did enjoy it, and I did enjoy the animation on it. I I just wondered if Pixar maybe pushing it too far, adult wise, and uh, but then they'll throw no, you but then what? they'll throw in a Toy Story. So you know, yeah. it's a and, good balance. And I think you can take it for whatever you want. This is this was my comment that I I took some notes on, and I, I think that um, it's kind of best just to sit back and enjoy the movie. And not make a college philosophy assignment out of it. Um, it. It sort of it reminded me back in my college English classes where I'd read a great piece of literature which I would enjoy, and then we'd have to discuss it to death to find the underlying meaning and what the author was uh, going for. And I and I understand that. That's what studying literature all all about, and that's how you develop critical thinking skills and that sort of thing. But I kind of hated it because it took away from my enjoyment of the literature piece of literature itself. And so I think even with this movie, you know, dishing out a lot of underlying messages, uh, I think you can still enjoy it for the entertainment value and the art that it is. And that's my next point. This movie is a treat to watch um, because... The animation is, it is mesmerizing. I was amazed at how stunning it was to watch. I mean, that really drew yes. me in. It was just stunning. And it, it's just a very entertaining, feel-good movie, along with this great art in terms of yeah, designing definitely. that animation. It, it looked uh, ridiculously uh, amazing. It was actually probably one of the better ones I'd seen in a while. Uh, Coco was on there, but yeah. uh, I actually thought this uh, looked better than even Coco. It, it now, did. Coco had the bright colors, but... Coco uh, had the bright colors and was, was very stimulating. Just, uh, yeah. just a masterpiece in, yep. uh, you know, uh, computer animation. Well, and, and you know, I didn't find it too heavy, back to your question, because I decided just to enjoy it for what it presented in terms of the story, but visualize the visual, the the music, the script, the actors. It all came together very nicely, and you found yourself really enjoying yeah. it. And you don't have to make it. It has a heavy theme to it, but well, you don't have to make I it that. I think some of it, too, is, um, you know, these Pixar first came out uh, with Toy Story in, like, 95, 96. Uh-huh. And, you know, any uh, child born in the 80s or 90s essentially grew up with Pixar and will always want to watch Pixar film like myself, but uh, now we're old and adults. So I I think they sort of have to continue with this, uh, you know, mixing of, uh, you know, adult themes with, uh, you know, fun little child characters to keep both parties interested, you know, this, you know, they aren't trolls uh, 3D or anything. Yeah. No, I, I, it's hard for me to believe they can go anywhere with more with that animation. That was just uh, really pretty spectacular. Um, and I also want to thank 
the people who made this movie for keeping it under two hours. Well, yeah, that was the Thank other thing. Thank you. I was going to say, it, it felt uh, fun, and I don't want to say quick, but it, it felt brisk. You, you know? didn't get bogged down in it. It was story, it. it hit its theme points, yeah. and then it, you know, it didn't have filler, you know, scenes in there like uh, a lot of movies do now just to well i i, I thought you know we've reviewed make a pe- lot of make people think they're getting more bang for their buck which is i it just become the theme now you have to yeah. make the movie two and a half hours because people yeah. will feel cheated and right i'm like well i don't feel cheated i feel bored when they're too long and we've reviewed a lot of movies this year that have been too long including wonder woman which i did enjoy but it was too long and you do feel like there's a lot of filler in there. I didn't get bogged down in this one. It had a nice pace. It was fun to watch, and it wasn't too long. So I really do thank them. And, um, you know, a lot of people have have commented that this is the best movie they've seen this year. I don't necessarily think that, but I certainly... Um, it, it does bring an um, upbeat message. This uh, year as in 2021? Or? Um, no, <laughs> as in 2020, 2021, I guess. This movie actually came out in 2020, even though we're reviewing it in 2021. But, you know, we've, look, we've watched, a, we've reviewed a number of movies yes. that, you know, I, I think um, this one was certainly entertaining and upbeat. And, and uh, I could see how people would think it's the best movie they've seen this this past year. I don't year. know if it's that. Uh, well, it's not in my book, I'm but not, it is good. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, but I don't even know if I, I liked it more than Upward. I might have liked... It's probably about the same level. It's certainly not my favorite uh, Pixar no. film. It, it doesn't even crack uh, like Ratatouille or Wally or right. Finding Nemo for me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I was... I forgot Finding Nemo. Yes, I, I love that. <laughs> Toy Story and <laughs> Finding Nemo are probably so my favorite. So it doesn't crack... Uh, <laughs> That list, but no. it definitely cracks up, you know, really entertaining, really fun to watch, right. and, and really just an easy watch. I think if you want a fun, easy Saturday and you don't have to take, uh, you know, two and a half hours out of your day, uh, this is a good one to pick. All right, so we're going to go to ratings. Yes. How did you rate it? Well, I agree with you. I don't really think this is going to be a Pixar classic. But it did deliver positive messages, and the animation was outstanding. It was beautiful. So um, I was entertained. I was greatly entertained. Uh, I gave it a 7, which is kind of my average score (laughs) for movies this year. So I I didn't want to give it a 5 or below because I think it's better than that, so I settled on a 7. I went with a 7 as well. About the uh, same as I I put... Wonder Woman and uh, Tenet in, it's probably on about that same level uh, for me. Really entertaining. So uh, go out and watch Soul if you have not. Yes, definitely. All right. So our next movie coming up is Ma Rainey and the Black Bottom. We're going back to the uh, Netflix film. Uh, No more big box office for probably a couple movies here. But uh, Ma Rainey and the Black Bottom. Next, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Next on our list, be sure to tune in for that. Uh, you can find all our podcasts on greenlightnetwork.org. You can find our show on YouTube, on Facebook. Be sure to like and follow us both on that. You can find me at GLNChamp5 on Instagram and Twitter. That's our show, and we're out.